0: Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing topics surrounding the well-being of those that work in the food and beverage industry. During the second season of the podcast, I hope to host conversations that shed light on topics such as workplace culture, self-identity, work-life balance, interpersonal relationships, substance abuse, and any other challenges that we may face. Today, my guest is longtime friend, butcher, farmer, and so much more, Kate Kavanaugh. Through our conversation, we discuss her own journey with defining and finding happiness, how nature can help us reconnect and heal, and so much more.
1: It's been going well. I think a lot of it has been learning how to balance farming is not our full-time job. We are still actively pursuing other business ventures, and we do a lot of work with Western Daughters still. And so learning how to balance farming and all of these other business pursuits and still keep what we wanted from being here, which was to find sort of a slower pace and to find some more rest and to find some more joy has been, it's been a balancing act and a learning curve. I mean, everything is, I think I love, I love being out of a city It's just magic. And it has been exactly what my nervous system needed to, to come down even further. Like I'd been doing all of yeah. this work to try to get my nervous system to to relax. And this has brought a whole new dimension to that. At the same time, we are, we are isolated. We are rural. And I I I miss a sense of community.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, this actually, I think that this would be a really good place to kind of start our conversation and talking about who you are and and maybe starting with the conversation about the decision to move and
0: yeah.
2: uh, to be away from your primary business and, and how you listened to like your, you and your partner's needs. So maybe I'll, okay, I'll start by saying hi everyone. Um, this is Focus on Health season two, episode one. Um, and I'm getting to chat with a really dear friend, Kate who uh, I met in Denver years ago um, and, and now lives in New York, upstate New York um, with her partner, um, but still operates a business in Denver. So I guess let's start with, will you introduce yourself? Um, you can keep it as long or as short as you want um, about who you are. Um, and then, yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about that decision to, to leave and how how having a business so far away from where you are has has gone for you over the last i don't even how long have y'all been gone now i mean it feels like only a month but it's certainly been longer than that
1: (laughs) yeah it's been about a year and a half we moved in february of 2020 and so my name is kate Kavanaugh and i am One of the owners of Western Daughter's Butcher Shop in Denver, Colorado. But I am also a regenerative farmer, a nutrition therapist, a chef, um, somebody who is super passionate about food in general and health in general. And that's what I'll say about myself for right now.
2: Okay. Um, So, y'all moved. Y'all bought a beautiful farm in upstate New York, right? That's where you're at? That's correct, yeah. Um, and and moved across the country um, while you still have Western Daughters here. Um, what, what led y'all to that decision? And I guess, Mike, my, my number one question is like, how have you found operating a business while living so far away from it? How have you found that to be? And have you gotten out of it what you you know, what you were hoping to get.
1: I love that question. And I think this is the first time I've really talked about the motivators behind our move. And so I'm both excited and a little bit nervous to explore them. So we opened up Western Daughters in 2013 and our goal was to bring in meat and dry goods that were good for the land, good for the animal in the case of meat, good for the farmer and ultimately good for our bodies. We were really interested in helping financially support farmers with regenerative practices. And through doing that, we just had this this amazing community of people come through our doors that were seeking a deeper relationship with their health. And as we were hosting this and we were running this business, my health really started to decline. I got really lost in the space of of working too much and staying up too late and just not caring for my, my emotional or physical body. And over the first four years of business, I really started to kind of break down and it also put a strain on my relationship with, with my partner, Josh, who I run Western Daughters with. And I had a sort of, had one of those those big moments in time. And it was motivated by this idea that we get two lives and our second one begins when we realize we only have one. And I really had this moment And part of it was that I had gone down this path in running the business of late nights and some substance abuse. My emotional health was out of control and my relationship with Josh was out of control. And I had had this moment and I had really started to take a big step back and ask myself how I could begin to engage with my own health again. And I think that I had gotten a really unique opportunity as somebody who works in regenerative ag to see just how resilient nature is and i yeah. kept thinking about this we work with this ranch and they run they run cattle on a on a very big piece of property in montana and when they started running cattle on the ranch through this rotational grazing program they had a stream that had been absent from that property for as long as anybody could remember come back online and begin to flow really and i kept yeah which is so wild right like just just the impact that coming back to this co-creation between ruminants between these cattle and nature which and the grasslands specifically and grasslands and ruminants co-evolved together they're, they're sort of a symbiotic evolution that happens there they need one another and so it fostered the return of the stream and i just thought that this was so incredible and i wondered in that moment how much resiliency i had in that same way being just as much a part of nature as as those cattle or that stream and I really began the work on my health and also on my nervous system. And I think that I had been in a trauma response since childhood and it had just continued into there. And then I got into business ownership and and that compounded a lot of my trauma and I sought out a lot of my trauma within the dynamics of my own business. And so for me, taking a step back and saying, okay, how can I begin to seek a different relationship with my health, find resiliency, and, and really start to regulate my own nervous system? And I started really small, but as I began this search and as I began to sort of come down from all of these places and to strip away these layers to begin to find I started with a lot of walking. I just spent a lot of time walking in nature and and there's a lot of scientific evidence that backs up this idea that nature actually regulates our nervous system. When we hear birdsong or when we allow our eyes to go into sort of panoramic relaxed vision, it actually brings about a parasympathetic response and allows our heart rate to come down and for us to take some deeper breaths and to change our heart rate variability. And as I was doing this and I was beginning to get more sleep and I was beginning to cook more food for myself, I noticed that I wasn't happy. (laughs) And I think that, I think sometimes it, it seems like such a simple thing, right? This idea of how do I notice my inner landscape and what I'm feeling? And I think that oftentimes we've put so many layers of of busyness and of work and of just go, go, go and of social engagements, that it's hard to connect with that space of how do I actually feel. And when I connected with that, and it was on a walk and I was with Josh, we at the time we were, we were living in a in a little condo and would walk to this lake every single day in the evenings. And it became just this really amazing space to just kind of watch the seasons change and to get together and to talk. And I don't remember who said it first, but one of us said, I'm not happy. And the other one was like, I'm not happy either. Okay, great. So now we have this really important piece of information. And the question was, well, what what in our lives isn't conducive to happiness? And, and I think I do want to pull back for one second and say, I don't think that happiness is... Is the end goal? Like I, I'm not always striving to be in the state of happy, but I am striving to find a space where it feels aligned with my values. And okay. I think that both neither of us felt in alignment. If that makes any sense, yeah. So I, you know, yeah. And so we begin to talk about what wasn't making us happy. And one of the biggest things was living in a city and the business had, we had taken it, this was about you know, six years into business ownership. It had gone about as far as it was going to evolve. We had sought out expansion opportunities and had not been able to, to close any deals around that. We had put all of our own money into the business and there was nothing left to draw from and you know originally at the conception of western daughters we really thought that this would somehow land us on the farm just by some it would open a door Mm -hmm. and there was this realization that that door wasn't going to magically open we had to open it for ourselves that we wanted to get out of a city that we didn't want to be in the day-to-day at western daughters anymore and we wanted to be on a farm and so we just wanted to find how do we get there and and that first thing was identifying this is no longer in alignment with what we want
2: i would like to just take a second i think and recognize that like an important thing that you're bringing up which is that working on taking like active steps to work on your well-being does not immediately like mean that you are happy um you know like that you could be actively doing things to improve your your wellness um and that that alone will not make you a happy person um you know i think that like yeah uh, for a lot of us um me included you know i often correlate like my well-being to be intrinsically tied to my happiness you know like if i'm injured because of work then like that my unhappiness is coming from my injury right like so i just like i just like i thought that was a really interesting point that you just brought up that like those things are not they don't they not come in hand in hand um and i just think it's really incredible that y'all both were able to to recognize that and have a relationship where you can say something that may seem scary or may seem like Controversial in a way, I guess, like, you know, to say like, Hey, this life that we're living every day is not like fulfilling It's not fulfilling for me. Um, I guess like, I want to, I want to ask, like, did you struggle at all with like, um, your like self identity and recognizing that the thing that you had like built for yourself, like didn't make you happy?
1: I think actually there's a lot I want to unpack from what you just said and I think one of those first things is that you know whether we're calling it happiness or joy or living in alignment mm. it is such a constellation of things that that brings us there right it's it's our inner sense it's our interoception of what our inner landscape feels like and I think it's also that interaction of what our environment is like it's that conversation between our inner environment and our outer environment. I think it's also a conversation between our bodies and our brains. And I think oftentimes I know for myself that I get a little trapped in my brain and I don't actually bring my body online into the conversation of what joy means, that it's this mental sensation and that it it almost, you almost have to bring your body into that, that it is also the embodiment of joy and the physical sensation of joy. And, you know, from there, I think, you know, when we had that conversation, it kind of felt like the earth shattered a little bit, because this had been everything that we'd been working towards. And you put a lot of I am statements into whatever career path that you pursue. Well, I am a butcher or I am a farmer. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of this originated from the idea of wanting to take a step back from I am those things and to ask myself, who am I without those things? Who is just Kate as I exist, not as... Not in in my capability to be productive or in my capability to run a business, but if I just sit and let everything go, I am something else entirely. And I think, you know, and I've, I've seen this related back to our feelings, right? That if you are the sky, feelings are the transient clouds that are passing through the sky. And so we often say I am sad or I am anxious, but we're not, we're the sky. And those are, those are transient states of being. And I think for me, all of a sudden, what I really wanted to do was to recognize that I am not the butcher shop. I am not the business that I have built. And I deserve to be able to pivot and change. And I think that's not something that we see modeled often. We don't see a lot of people who wake up one day and they're like, this, this life, this lifestyle is no longer serving me. And I want to take a step back and change everything. And that change doesn't happen overnight, but I think that oftentimes we don't get that enough. And it did, it did come with its own. And, and still is coming with its own identity crisis of sorts of trying to find what comes next and mm-hmm. what I am at, at my core and, and what I do. So yeah. I think I'm, I'm still in process. and I, I, But I, I think that this is the process of evolution in our in our personal landscapes
2: yeah absolutely. I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it. Um, you know, you know, I think rather than thinking that there's one end goal, you know, like, like you said, it's like you have two lives and the you know, second one begins when you realize you actually only have one. It's like there's not like a definite end goal. that you just like live your life every day and like hopefully are doing things that bring you joy in the meantime. Um, yeah. I want to I'd like to talk a little bit about like your personal journey with your health and wellness. Um, I think that you're a person who um embodies their intuition I think a lot more than many other people. Um and, you know, when we when you sent me some thoughts on what we would talk about today, um one of the things that you that you said that really stuck out to me was, you know, um like following your journey to find the root cause of diagnosis um, and like understanding your health. Um, Would you be comfortable like sharing a little bit about your journey through your health and, and
1: what's been going on in your life? Absolutely, I think it's important to open source these journeys. I think that not often enough do we talk about what we go through in our mental and physical health And so I'd be happy to talk about that some. Awesome. Um, uh, Where do we start? Um, I can just dive in if you want.
2: That sounds great. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. I
1: actually want to start from the space of intuition, because when I sent that to you, I really started thinking about intuition and the relationship between our guts and our brains, I think of intuition so much more as something that exists in the gut than this sort of heady space of decision-making. And I was thinking that like many of the other things, I had to begin to strip away some of the constant dysregulation of my nervous system to even begin to really feel more into my intuition. And I was just thinking about the fact that, so we have an enteric nervous system. We have an entire set of neurotransmitters and nerves that exist in our guts. 90 plus percent of the serotonin that we make is made in our guts. And we have the vagus nerve, which is this highway that exists as this sort of bi-directional communication system between our brains and our guts. And so I think that all those years ago when I realized that I wasn't happy, it had it had been as I had started to uncover some of these these health issues. And I really believed that I could find a a state of I'm not gonna call it optimal health, but where I was feeling good every day. And I really believed that something was off. And I don't know, I don't know if that's intuition or what it was that drove me. And I really believed that. Just like that stream came back to that ranch, that health could come back for me if I could make space to find the root cause of what is going on. And I think that we exist in allopathic medicine or, or Western medicine or the medical industrial complex, which certainly certainly has its its place and space, mm-hmm. not knocking it but it's not great at finding a root cause diagnosis. Really good at looking really good at looking at symptoms and sometimes putting band-aids on those symptoms, but not as good at finding root causes. And so I've been on a, probably a three and a half year journey of trying to find out what was going on in my body. And a lot of it I first stripped away what I could. And so I started cooking at home all the time, followed an autoimmune paleo protocol and eliminated a lot of foods to see if I could find if different foods were reacting with my body in a negative way. I really worked on healing my gut and healing what I think in some ways is that seat of intuition. I had a lot of digestive issues. And I just kind of started knocking out issues one by one. And I, I mean, in this whole journey, I actually went and got a nutrition therapist certification because I was just so interested in the human body. And a lot of it was trying to get back to a, to a more natural state and utilizing what I could of free interventions, making sure that I was sleeping well, that I was cooking at home, paying attention to my breathing and getting into some breath work practices going outside in nature and just helping find a space that was co-regulating my nervous system in nature. But I kind of ran up against a wall. And last summer, I decided that I I really wanted answers. And I found a program that did really comprehensive blood work. Because I just, I had kind of reached this plateau in my health where I felt like I wasn't getting any better and I was actually starting to get worse. And so obviously something was, was actually wrong. And it came back and I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and I was diagnosed with pernicious anemia, which is an autoimmune. It's, it's an autoimmune disorder where you're unable to produce intrinsic factor, which actually converts B12 into a usable form into your body. Mm -hmm. And so this explained a lot of my symptoms of, of fatigue, Uh, We also found that the house that we had moved in here to here in upstate New York had a massive mold issue that Mm -hmm. was causing some, some other pieces of this health cascade. And it took a long time to get to these diagnoses. And it took a lot of sleuth work and it took a lot of my own stripping away like what is just my interaction with the environment or with food to to figure out that there really was something that was underlying all of it yeah
2: um i mean i think it says a a lot about listening to your body and and trusting yourself when you feel like something's not right it's almost like i think that it is this weird thing that maybe, I think a lot of Americans, I'm not even, I don't want to generalize and say that it's like a food service and hospitality workers. I think that a lot of America, it's an American thing to like gaslight yourself into thinking that there's nothing actually wrong with you. Yes,
1: absolutely. Um,
2: I do think perhaps there, it is maybe uh, something that people in food service and hospitality struggle with maybe a lot more so but I definitely think that that's an American thing to struggle with but yeah like just to not allow yourself to convince yourself that there's nothing wrong when you feel like it is and I think that this is something that in hospitality especially in bartending we do a lot because we are working very physically demanding jobs very similar to being a butcher and you know, you're putting so much strain on your body, whether it's something that's like a, a joint issue, you know, like musculoskeletal, or if it's, I really struggled through that word, musculoskeletal. Um, <laughs> I thought that was stuff. fantastic. I think mean, <laughs> a <good> job. <laughs> um, or if it's something like deeper, you know, but like we do work in these industries that are we are putting so much stress on our bodies and to be able to listen when something feels wrong is so important.
1: I think too, having worked in hospitality for a really long time, the first thing that popped into my head was how many times have you, all of a sudden, you have a, a break in in the day and mm-hmm. customers coming in or in the night and you realize suddenly that you have to pee. And like, how long have you had to Right. Pee? I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Um, yeah. And, and I think that that's symptomatic of this idea that when you are in the hospitality business and you are busy serving others, you forget about your own physical being, I think, in more ways than one. And it was just like the first thing that popped into my head is that we're almost taught in hospitality to stop listening to our bodies so that we can be the most present with our guests and with our work.
2: Yeah, I'm 100%.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know,
2: it that can cascade from simply not hearing your body say that you need to drink water or that you need to pee or eat dinner to, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden yeah. you have tendinitis or you know whatever it may be like that is those things are correlated they may seem like they're very different or that you know one is more serious than the other but um they are 100 correlated um and,
1: and and i think that the work that you're trying to do to bring more awareness into both physical and emotional health on the job and the idea that this needs to cascade up into the people that are running business. I mean, for years working in the hospitality industry, it just was expected that you wouldn't even take a break. And I think that those, I mean, those breaks are part of what allow your nervous system to relax into a space to check in with your body and where it's at. And does my wrist hurt? And do I need to drink water?
2: Yeah. I mean, we've started, we take breaks at the bar and, um, you know, I'd still say that probably like 40% 40% of our staff don't take them. I don't take them. I'm I'm also terrible about it. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. How do you find the balance of like working in a physically demanding job and like finding, how do you, I struggle with wanting to sit down and then being afraid I won't want to stand
1: back up. <laughs> oh, or, yes. You know, I hear that so much.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, like you were saying, like you, when you finally get a break and you realize you need to pee, I'm like the opposite. I like need to pee at the end of the night and I'll try to like go as long as possible without because I'm trying to like close the bar and I want to just like get out of there. <laughs> just like, just take
1: two seconds, like, go pee. Like, yeah. This yeah. is like, you know, racing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because you just want, you just want to get this, this set of things done. It, there's, there's sort of that, in service to the end goal of the evening. And so I think that part of the the practice, and it is so much of a practice, is making space a couple of times a night to check back in with your body. And where is my body? What does it need that I am able to give it at this time? How can I come back to a space of parasympathetic rest and digest, even just for a moment for a single breath.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, There's two more topics that I want to talk about. And one of them is kind of like circling back to something we've already been talking about. And then the other one is a a little different. Um, You know, we, at the beginning of this conversation started talking a little bit about like being your, you and Josh, you know, recognizing that you were lacking joy and, um, and making like conscious decisions to, to, to chase that in a different way. Um, and it reminded me of how you had said, you know, when we were talking about conversation topics, like how you, how you followed your passions and they took them outside of the industry that you've worked in. And, you know, I think that For a a lot of people that do work similar to us, like it is very passion driven and that like that, especially when you serve other people, like there's a passion that brings you there. And so I guess I'm curious, like how has that journey been for you that has like led you to something different and have you struggled with, you know, imposter syndrome or, um, you know, anything like that through that journey of like you know, going from butcher shop owner to, you know, like dietary nutritional like studies and to, you know, spending time every morning with pigs and, you know, on a farm. (laughs) And I guess I'm not, I I don't know if this is a very well-worded question, but I guess I'm just curious how that journey has been for you of like, you know, looking outside of the things that you would have originally defined as like your passions to find
1: other ones. I've thought a lot about this over the last I think couple of months in particular and so many of the passions that landed me in the butcher shop just a passion for regenerative agriculture and the role that that can play in in helping to foster ecosystems to sequester carbon my passion for helping people connect with food. I think all of those are still there, but what led me to open up Western Daughters was, was a passion for, for running a business for entrepreneurship. And I think that while that passion is still there, it has changed and evolved. And I think I'm one of those people in general that I have a lot of passions, and it is sometimes hard to know where to pay attention. And this has been about giving myself the space to pay attention to a lot of different passions and to just see what comes out in the wash, as it were. Yeah. In terms of um, imposter syndrome, I think one of my biggest shadows and I for myself is the idea of being a fraud. And that... I don't have enough knowledge or credentials or research or pedigree to be able to farm or run a business or talk about nutrition or any of these things. And it's something that I think I internalized really young. And it's something that comes up often and it comes up with a... For me, imposter syndrome is really coupled with a fear of how other people perceive me. And so I think as somebody who, I have a little bit of wanderlust in my heart. I have a lot of passion for a lot of different things. And so there's this aspect of of coming back back to myself and doing that work to uncouple mm-hmm. <laughs> imposter syndrome or or feeling like a fraud from putting passionate work out into the world for for others to see and yeah. and maybe judge but but to continue to put work out there and to put myself out there and you know we talked a little bit about pivoting to not have to feel beholden to one thing. And I think I get stuck in this idea, well, I've been a butcher for 10 years and that's what people expect of me. And so who am I to go out and have other things to talk about? And it's just constantly coming back to, right. nope, Those, that's, that's shadow talking. That's not me talking and and to work in therapy and to work by myself to just sort of uncouple imposter syndrome from putting myself out there.
2: Yeah, it's funny to think that, you know, our minds are really the biggest critiques of anything that we do, right? Like-
1: Yes, absolutely. Most
2: most people in our lives probably just think what we do is rad or have no opinion of the sort about it, but our minds certainly have many opinions. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think in some ways we're hardwired and I think this, you know, a lot of what has sort of informed the way that I work in the world is that I want to get back to a more natural state. I really believe that we are, you know, we're beings that haven't caught up with the modern world. For most of our evolutionary tract, we were just one with nature and, there wasn't as much of the, the noise that there is now. And, but I think that that desire to fit in is, is hardwired that we want to have a, a group and a community and that we want to fit in. And so it's just part of our biology and our work is to, to know that we are accepted and loved and to continue to, be the support system for ourselves in that space yeah, which is so absolutely. hard it sounds easy and it's so hard
0: yeah yeah <laughs> life's, <laughs>
2: life's hardest task yeah um, yeah so i wanted to wrap up with the conversation about our circadian rhythm and um, being outside in nature and you know being up early and all of those things and you know I don't know it's just been something on my mind a lot lately I was talking with one of our line cooks the other day and he was like I'm so tired and I was like you know I I like I've been I guess I just like I wanted to be like you like you have to go work out before work and like that's a really rude thing to say um but like <laughs> but i guess the, the reason it's been on my mind is because i've recently like started like a, a new exercise that i'm like been really enjoying and i've been going before work and like i it's just kind of crazy how over the last like three weeks i've seen how much my energy has changed and with mm-hmm. that i've been waking up earlier and like literally before we sat down to record i was you know just like checking on all of the plants in the garden and like thinking, thinking about this conversation with you and, and thinking about you and your farm and, and how, you know, vocal you are about how important it is to like touch the earth and, and be outside and let, let the sun touch you. And so I guess I just wanted to let you like talk a little bit about that, um, in any way that you would like.
1: Yeah. Um, I love that you've been doing that, that you've been getting out and being with your plants and, and exercising in the morning. And I've kind of watched your journey of, of waking up earlier. And I know working in the industry, it's so hard because I think we want to find that balance. And I think the number one, most important thing is that we're getting quality sleep in the first place, not when that sleep happens, though there are certainly, better times for that sleep to happen and there are ways to maximize sleep when it's not as much in the let, let's just call it at 10 to 6 mm-hmm. 10 p.m to 6 a.m but I think that you know the first thing is about getting quality sleep and in one of my goals to really get back to living in alignment with nature I've found a lot about how we're We're governed and regulated by nature, and we've talked some about that in this podcast, that birdsong or that going into panoramic vision and looking at a vista can help bring our parasympathetic nervous system online. But we are also really creatures of light. And I think just like our plants, the sun really governs a surprising amount of our biology. And one of those things is setting our circadian rhythm. And so when we get out in the in the morning sun, and by morning sun, I really mean the sun before 10 a.m., even before 9 a.m. And the it has a certain mix of infrared and blue light that lets receptors in our eyes know exactly what time it Of day it is, and it releases the hormone cortisol, which is really released when we wake up in the morning. And this is a hormone that we really associate with stress. And I think that's the context that a lot of us have heard it in. But it's really a hormone that's necessary to our biology. It's part of what wakes us up. So we wake up, and if you're able to get out and view the morning sun to get let's say about 10 minutes of light in your eyes. And you don't want to look directly at the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Just to to clarify. (laughs) Um, But no sunglasses, go outside and get sunlight. And that tells our body what time of day it is. And I think in this world where blue light that's coming out of our screens and out of our phones is, and out of light bulbs, many LED light bulbs have blue light frequencies in them. And we have photoreceptors, not just in our eyes, but in our skin that tell our body, this is what time of day it is. And it associates that blue light with being at about high noon. And so when we find ourselves in these situations where we're going to sleep, looking at our phones, and I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of this because I definitely am, or we're in an environment in a, in a bar or a restaurant that has LED lighting that's telling our body what time of day it is, we're sort of fundamentally shifting off of this circadian biology. And it regulates everything from digestion to mood, just all of these, this concert and this array of different things. And so with shift work, or any work where you're gonna be kind of outside of that biological clock. And everybody's a little bit different in terms of when, you know, there there are biologically, there is such a thing as a night owl and an early bird. So we're all wired just a little bit differently. But I think it's about maximizing what we can of that sun and regulating that biology. And so anytime you can, waking up and first thing upon waking, getting out and going outside, even if it's a cloudy day, putting your feet on the earth. I think that this is really important. There actually is an ion exchange between us and the ground that acts almost as an antioxidant. In our bodies and getting to hear nature and getting the sun in your eyes can really help to set digestion and mood and your sleep cycle and the release of melatonin, which is sort of our, our sleep hormone towards the end of the day, whenever that is. And so this is just something I'm really passionate about. I think that sleep you know, in my journey with Western Daughters, sleep was one of the first things to go. Mm-hmm. Well, this is not an important and, and, and I think it's so hard, right. When, when, when we work a lot, you just want to come home and come down and, and you want time to do these other things and, and sleep becomes less and less of a priority, but sleep is really such a healing force in so many different ways. It's what helps set memories and heal trauma, it actually cleans certain debris out of our brains, like a dishwasher that's running at night. And it helps our bodies heal at a cellular level. And so I think any way and any time that we have a chance to prioritize sleep and sort of the the rhythms that get us there, even in shift work, I just, I just think that it can be a really good foundation for For feeling better.
2: Yeah. Boy, I have like goosebumps just listening to you talk about that. I just think that our bodies are like, you know, I we take them very much for granted. And, you know, our body's connection to nature and all of that is really just wonderful and cool. And yeah, I think that I would just like to add that like it is possible to work in this industry and, and treat your body well and keep those connections to the earth and, uh, and not, you know, sacrifice too much. Um, it just takes a, some persistence and, and listening to your body too, and listening to what you need. Um, so,
1: yeah. And I think, I think you are actually an excellent resource for all the ways in which, I mean, this podcast in general has been such a great resource for accessing, finding that space, listening to your body and, and finding a a different relationship with it in a, in an industry that doesn't always prioritize it. Thank you. Um,
2: well, you know, I haven't really thought about how I want to end these podcasts on season two, um, I mean, I guess like we should wrap it up by having you share maybe like one, like, well, I don't know, one, like I wanna say affirmation, it's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I I don't know know if you have anything like that. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Always feels, I feel like sharing affirmations is such a strange, vulnerable space.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think I'm gonna do one that I've been sharing with myself lately. I don't I, I have a lot of different things I tell myself. I think we all do. And you know, working to find those things that uh that are positive. You know, we talked about how we tell ourselves a lot of a lot of stories that aren't true. And one of the things I've been telling myself lately is I am connected. Mm-hmm and I want it to resonate for me. I want my body to hear that I am connected to nature, that I am a part of nature and not separate from it. I want my body to hear that I am connected within myself, that my brain and my body are connected and that I am connected into them, whatever that I is, whatever that sky is in the background, that greater sense of I, I think living rurally we talked at the beginning there's some there's some loneliness out here and so i want to know that i am connected to some sort of collective unconscious that maybe while my life may not have a lot on its social calendar right now i am still connected to the people i love in every moment of every day it's just in a in a more esoteric sense Mm -hmm. and so This has just been something that I've been affirming within myself, all the different ways that I am connected. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing.
0: To ensure that you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Focus on Health podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else that you get podcasts. Make sure to tune in every other Monday for new episodes and don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandy every other Wednesday.